Hey everybody, we're live tonight with Savage Gentleman Podcast, and tonight we have a very special guest. This is J.D. Caputo, and we're going over Spartans, Vikings, Samurais, and the Warrior Code of Conduct. And, and J.D. is a man of many talents, one of which, <laughs> least of which, is a historian. So, J.D., say hi to everyone and uh, tell us a little about yourself. Hey, what's up, guys? So, uh, again, J.D. Caputo here. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of different martial arts. Um, you know, I'm a uh, former military, uh, served in the 101st Airborne Division, uh, 2nd Battalion, 187, Roxxon. If you're out there, sound off. Roxxon in the comments section, let's see it. Um, and uh, I've just, you know, I've, I've turned my life over to the martial arts and martial arts practice, study, history, survival. And, uh, you know, I got hooked up with this guy. You know, we met, we met in, a, in a survival situation. Yep. Um, pretty, pretty gnarly survival situation, actually. And uh, we keep getting ourselves in trouble. Yeah, you know, you would think we would learn. And, and you know, for you guys that have been watching for Never a while... Happen. Uh, you, you know, we have alluded to, in some way, how, how Josh and I may have met. And if you guys haven't put those pieces together yet, stay tuned. Uh, that information is coming. It's going to be pretty awesome. But we actually just this weekend went up in the mountains and damn near froze to death and died <laughs> doing a different survival scenario. And it was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, you'd think we'd learn a lesson, but now, we you don't. Know, well, this all starts off like, man, we should, we should go up to the mountains. But how we should get there, we should get there by helicopter. Yeah, and then of we should just jump out of the helicopter into the snow. Yep, that and happened. Yeah, that's that true. happened. So stay tuned. We'll have some footage kicked out for you guys to look at that. You know, check check out Ready Man, check Savage Gentleman. We'll be blasting that all over the place. But tonight we're going over the Warrior Code of Conduct, the ethos. You know, the driving mentality between behind some of the most prominent uh, warrior classes throughout history. And I think we kicked that off with the Spartans. Yeah, so, you know, what I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, you know, is that there is this, this warrior culture, you know, there's, there's always a culture that springs up around warriors, and there's always a code that starts to appear. Now, when you look at this, the, the code, again, becomes a thing that is either tied to an existing religion, or it becomes a religion all of its own. And I don't think that's any different even today. I think yeah. we're still doing that now uh, in both modern military even in modern martial arts, I mean, you know, I've seen codes of conduct posted on walls in mixed martial arts sure, that I've been sure. to. You know, you have an idea, an ethos that you, an ethos that you want warriors to ascribe to. So now we're all very, very familiar with the Spartans, uh, thanks to the, the movies that made them famous. Yeah. Uh, what you may not know is they were one of the most brutal. They were even, in my opinion, more brutal than the movies made them out. They're probably far more savage than they were gentlemen. As we go oh. through history, you know, as time progresses, I, see, I think we kind of refine ourselves and become more gentleman-like when we get to the knights and that sort of thing, the code of chivalry. Right. Way more gentlemen. But back in the Spartan times, those guys were just, you know, a, a notch above full-on savages. Absolutely. Well, and where you get their code is you get Spartan law. Um, and it's alluded to in the movie 300. Uh, but like Hergus, uh, the lawgiver, goes out, talks to the oracle at Delphi, mm -hmm. and comes back and he's got the entire law, which interestingly, when Sparta actually conquered Athens, they subjected them to Spartan law and over the span of about six months, put about 1,500 people to death. Wow. It was about six months to a year because <laughs> Athens was like, wow, man, this is, this is wild, right? Yeah. So, um, so it's very, very interesting, but you see that no retreat, no surrender uh, on you, you know, with your shielder on it yep. uh, was yep. one of the laws. And actually, interestingly enough, with your shielder on it was because the, the, the shield itself protected the man to your left, mm -hmm. okay? So you weren't protecting yourself, you were protecting the other man. So if you didn't come back with your shield, 
or you didn't die. Yeah, you, you fucked back. up real bad. You failed. You committed the <laughs> ultimate sin. You mm-hmm. failed your brother in battle. Right. Right. And there's no greater sin than that to the to the Spartans. And I imagine even to the modern day warrior, I imagine we probably have some soldiers tuning in tonight. I think uh, I think some of the Funker crowd is here. So you guys you guys know what that's about. I'm not 100%. you know well versed, but you know you've experienced that. Well, and if you if you guys are out there and if you served, thanks very much for your service. You guys are fantastic. You're awesome. And I'm glad you're out here with us. So here's to you boys. So, uh, yeah, all right, we'll get the cheers click on that cheers one. Cheers yeah. to you, brother. So, so now, when we look at this, though, so we talk about, about Sparta. And Sparta, very interestingly enough, they didn't, um, they were very picky. They were very religious. They didn't venerate Dionysus, mm-hmm. uh, the god of drunkenness and right. wine. They didn't, they didn't like frivolity. They were, uh, the only way to get your name on a tombstone was to die in battle. Really? As a man, mm-hmm. or to die in childbirth as a woman. Wow, that was That's it. it. Nope, no other way. Otherwise, you were just unnamed, uh, irrelevant kind of kind of a thing. Yeah, you didn't matter. Wow. And in fact, uh, every so often, they would actually have Spartan male warriors in order to maintain the the precedent because some of their chief values were were believe it or not were were religion, but military structure and fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very very big on aesthetics. In fact, if you were found to be unfit or if you if you didn't have a body. It was the ideal physique. You could up to and include be banished from Sparta. No kidding. People would publicly They'll kick you down the road to Athens or, or yeah. somewhere else, huh? Get out. Yeah, wow. they would they would literally shame you. It was common. So now we have this thing with body shaming. Right. Well back then they didn't have time for silly things like that. So they mm-hmm. would look at you and be like, look, fix the problem or get out. Or get the hell out. Yeah. Damn. And that was it. And even then male warriors would actually walk by in public nude. Uh, they would be expected to do this to be inspected by others. Wow. By other Spartiates. Man, could you imagine just like, all right, man, every second Tuesday of the month, you got to roll out in your skivvies and. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, here we go on parade. Man, that's insane. But I mean, that's kind of their quality control for maintaining that elite warrior class because that's their whole society was built around it around that. It wasn't just, okay, we had these guys who do this and those guys who do that. I mean, they were almost exclusively all warriors. They were an organized war camp, guys. I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't a, a, a culture. You know, Athens was cultivating art and politics, philosophy. Mm-hmm. Sparta they had no time for that. None of that. They were like, look, we're a war machine. That's mm-hmm. what we do. And that's what we are. You know, from, from the, the, the nature of how they engaged in eugenics by mm-hmm. discarding those that were in the deposits yep. that, were, that were useless all the way up and into... So that part of the movie was accurate where they would toss, accurate. you know, babies that they, and children that they seemed deemed unfit. Yeah. They'd throw them, throw them down there and just let them, let them die in the... Man, that's it. And they would also, believe it or not, they would bathe the young and uh, Like, it, it goes further than that. It actually really? gets more brutal. Uh, they would bathe babies in wine because they thought it made them tougher. Um, they would... Um, they would not coddle a child, so mm-hmm. you would be left there to cry and fend for yourself. Until you figured it out. Until you figured it out. Wow. Um, they even played a game, a game. So they played a game where they would take a leather strap mm-hmm. and they would beat each other back and forth with this leather strap. And you the could, kids. Well, the kids, children. kids, young adults, you know, like teenagers. So they get together and, 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 you know, people just watch this and what would happen is these guys would beat each other. Well, the most common way that the victor was decided was death. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, so you would back and forth, tit for tat, yep. beat each other to death. Yep, until somebody dropped dead. Wow. People wouldn't submit to pain because they, they had raised people, human beings, that were literally that fierce. Man. Um, they were terrifying, terrifying creatures. Well, and you said that, that you know, through that, you know, not to condone eugenics by any means, but through that selective breeding, so to, spoke, so to speak, you know, they had spawned these, 
you know, massive size human beings in a time where people were generally pretty small. Yeah, these the guys Spartans were big. were monstrous size. Yeah. I mean, they were like an NFL, you know, O-line size back in back in the time where dudes were my size and you were big. Right. This this would be like being a normal guy and being like, yo, I'm going to go get in a fist fight with a linebacker. I mean, it's just <laughs> not going to go your way just on the yeah. fact he's big. And they, they didn't, they literally had like no other profession because what they had done is they had conquered um, a neighboring city-state for an unknown reason, but they'd gone out, they'd conquered them, and then they had the helots. So their entire, basically, culture was built on slavery. Wow. Um, and I know that sounds pretty bad, right? But it was built on slavery, and so these slaves, helots, served all the menial functions for, for Sparta so that the, the males could engage in nothing but warfare. So they're training, you know, full-time for war, and then they have their slaves to just do all the other stuff to be their, you know, their farmers and, and all the other trades that they needed right. to occupy. Wow. Yeah, and they, they, did, they had no interest in that. Now, it's interesting because obviously that system failed. Right. We don't have Spartans around anymore. So at some point, I mean, while they are touted as, you know, one of the elite highest fighting units the world has ever known, at some point that collapsed. You know, what do you, what do you hypothesize is the reason for that? Well, you know, I don't even know that it's, I think it's pretty commonly agreed upon by most historians as to why that happened. Now, mm -hmm. there was a major earthquake that obliterated just wrecked Sparta, and then that was followed up shortly by a helot revolt, like a massive ah, slave revolt. Yeah, um, I think in the crippling throws there, and then, but if you notice, you know, I mean, they they really they they kind of hang around even still until, yeah, you know, I mean, Rome Rome pretty well does away with it. Yeah, you know, but even the Romans had great respect for Sparta. In fact, it was a bit of a military amusement park later where they would send uh, Roman officers to live um, among the Spartans. Really, and and receive training or just for abuse. And, you know, cause I think it was more to receive training, but I mean, okay. at this point, I think they were pretty dumbed down. I, oh, I don't gotcha. think they, they were not the Spartans that of they old. Used I think to be. this, yeah, I think this was pretty gotcha. well, pretty well dumbed down. Very, so. very interesting. So, for you guys that are tuning in tonight, we're going over warrior code of ethics throughout history, and we're kind of starting, starting in, you know, BC Spartan time, and we're going to work our way forward, you know. And so, for you guys tuning in, you know, comment down there what. What class or what genre, what time period you think is the most savage and or gentleman of, of warrior classes? Because, I mean, you know, let's face it, we are, as a human race, we have been at odds with each other for ever since, you know, day one. Well, the most defining characteristic of, of a culture, in my opinion, is, is how we choose to wage war. Yeah. Um, and, and violence is the single most, most defining factor in, in human existence. I mean, people can debate that, but... But it always comes down to violence. Like borders are redrawn with violence. Yep. Ultimately, and so uh, again, guys, I'm doing my absolute best. Again, I'm an amateur historian. I've studied a great deal. Um, you know, feel free to chime in. Give me your thoughts. Tell me what you think. I mean, you know, we just got done talking a little bit about about Spartans, uh, a personal favorite of mine because I I practice pancreation. Right. Mixed martial arts, not a new idea, existed. It's been back around, yeah. 683 BC. I mean, mm -hmm. literally pancreation, all powers, all skills. And then before that, they called it Pamacan or total combat. Okay. And so the first original Olympic games were pancreation, right? Yeah. Interestingly enough though, one of the, the, one of the rules that was put into the Olympics where men would fight each other, there were mm -hmm. two rules, no biting and no gouging. But here's an interesting thing. Seems reasonable. Yeah, but I mean, they, you, mean, you could headbutt, small digit manipulation, you could do it all. But What's very, very, very interesting about, um, about these, these games where there was another rule, no Spartans. No kidding. So, so they banned the Spartans yep. from competing. Well, the Spartans, because they would kill dudes. Well, they would. They were programmed to kill, <laughs> so they would kill whoever they fought. So at the games where men were competing, they would also, I'm aware they lost to the Thabians. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, that's one of those things where you can pull up 
you can pull up um, you can pull up a handful of defeats in a warrior culture. Everybody's going to lose a fight eventually. But what what matters is is that they were actually the guards of these events, and, and famously they'd even said that they were like they said, well, why don't you guys you know petition to participate? And they're like, we don't need to be a part of a competition where victory is determined by a raised hand. Oh wow! So they're like, look, they're play, they're used to playing for keeps. So you know, getting a medal or a, or a ribbon was meaningless to these guys because they were you know they they were literally playing for you know for their lives. Right, and we're glossing over this now. Again, you know, I understand they went through. They had some you know they had some losses later on, and the losses pretty much once they started to mount mounted. They made some terrible mistakes. I mean, they, they ignored their Navy whatsoever. I actually found the second 300 movie to be hilarious when the Spartan Navy shows right. up. Because I'm like, what, three dudes? <laughs> like In a canoe? <laughs> and they refused missile weaponry because they said it wasn't masculine. They, wow. they just didn't. They just wouldn't evolve with the times. Wow. So here we go. So we got the comments up. Thank you, Zach, for getting that up and rolling. So we've got a few people chiming, chiming in on who they think the most savage um, uh, warriors were. So we got Gurkha. Up there, I think someone mentioned a little bit earlier the Aztec. Yeah, Chris Yates says Aztecs. Yeah, they were pretty brutal. They were a brutal, brutal warrior culture. Now, I don't admittedly know as much about them. So at some point or another, we're going to have to sit down. We're going to have to chat about that. I want to hear more about about the savage Azteca, man. Yeah, so Riley says most savage to me would be the medieval era Charlemagne and uh, mid-medieval era. And we'll actually get to that, I think. We are going to get to them. Move into the knights. And, and, you know, talking about chivalry, chivalry and that sort of thing. Well, what's really interesting, too, about chivalry, and I don't want to jump into that just yet, but I want to, I want to preface this in that nobody really actually, we have some idea as to what chivalry was. There's been some, but there's a lot of, 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 of disagreement between yeah. what well, it was. It's very romanticized, what, too. You know, well, and we've taken that with a lot of cultures where we've probably bent what actually happened pretty far from the truth. Well, people have actually adopted a lot of what the Arthurian legends were, which were at no point in time anywhere near where yeah. those guys actually were. So Luke Robinson, Luke Robinson says, early 20th century, oh, where is it? Stop moving it, Zach. Mafia culture was probably the epitome of savage gentlemen. Man, that's a, that's a good point. You know, and we hadn't thought, I hadn't thought that far away, you know, that far ahead. Right. You know, we were thinking more warrior class, you know, the, the, the soldiers of that time period. Right, exactly. But to some degree, I mean, the, the mafia kind of is, is its own underground culture and they well, had, criminal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it's I mean, criminal, but criminal you know, they had a same kind of organized structure. I mean, I, I wouldn't completely liken it to the military, but there is certainly a hierarchy, and you know, they they definitely use savagery to get the you know achieve the means that they were looking for. Well, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at some of the stuff that they did during the prohibition days and some mm. of the other things that happened, I mean, it was pretty pretty Brutal. wild, pretty wild times. But <laughs> oh man, oh oh Zach. All right, let's see. So, Calvin says most savage Vikings all the way, and that's we're gonna get. We'll there. definitely get there. Bilal also agrees with Vikings. Uh, Brian Owen says most savage children. Uh, Hands down, man. <laughs> yeah, Hands down. Children can be pretty pretty brutal. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and so uh, Jacob Martin, that's, it's good that you bring that up. So he's, what Jacob Martin says here is people like to identify chivalry as a code of romantic and courtly behavior toward the fairer sex and completely ignore that it was mostly just a polite way of killing people. Um, what's funny is if you look at like, <laughs> like a lot of it, the only codified version of that we have actually comes from Gautier in about 1883. I think it's 1883. And, uh, and he talks about most of it is actually religious tenets. Really? Like obey the church, do mm-hmm. as you're commanded. You know, it's not that different from what you'd find from the clergy. Um, and, and a lot of the other stuff you're going to see later on 
the, the really conclusive, like step-by-step, step, this is the knightly code of chivalry, mm -hmm. is mostly based off of Arthurian legend. Interesting, interesting. So, so it is very much romanticized. And, 100% romanticized. You know, probably fairly fictional. Actually, if you look at a lot of how medieval knights actually behaved by their own accounts back in the day, some yeah. of these guys were real bastards. <laughs> <laughs> they were bastards, man. Oh, uh, let's see. So Riley says, don't forget about the Pirates of the Caribbean in the Age of Exploration. And yeah, I mean, when we talk about savagery, you know, any any culture that is going in and kind of usurping land from another from another group, and obviously we see that with Vikings, and we see that yep. with pretty much every people culture. And I think it's interesting that, you know, in modern times, we kind of demonize the colonization of the world, and these guys are bastards for taking over, you know, such and such land and that sort of thing. But the reality is we have been moving into other area and territory and expanding and exploiting the people there since we started moving around. Well, I think it's very important too to actually point out because I see, I see, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of the uh, the Celtic tribes. That's that's fantastic, mm -hmm. good stuff. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of the Vikings pop up now. One of the things I find really interesting is, is that I think what you really have to understand about the Viking is there's a lot more happening there than the raider. Okay, there's an entire culture behind the raider. So mm -hmm. the guys that showed up on the shores and 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 just started smashing through there and 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 took advantage of the absolutely brilliant. <laughs> brilliant idea of uh, of leaving gold uh, in churches defended by dudes in cloth on the coastline. Way to go. Yeah, geez. That was smart. <laughs> um, but but they, um, you know, th there's a lot more to that culture, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of those tendencies. Yeah, man, and, and I'm loving the comments coming in. You know, you guys are putting out people that, that I hadn't even really considered. Um, so An uh, Andrew Hart says, agree on Imperial Japan during World War II. They were pretty savage. Uh, Gregory Roberts mentions the gladiators, so going back to you know ancient ancient Roman times. Fun fact about gladiators, actually, the uh, the gladiators are actually responsible for. So the gladiator, in the idea of this, a lot of those guys were Greek in the beginning, and that's how we believe that Pancration made it from Greece over to Rome. Okay. Um, and fascinatingly enough, after Rome is sacked by the Gauls, and, and they decide Rome decides, hey, look, we need a really professional military force. They actually head out and they talk to some of these gladiators. So gladiators originally started off as funeral games. Um, they believed that the body needed blood in order to make it to the next life, and so they would have pairs of men duke it out. Well, what they noticed was there would be more men, people would gather to watch these funeral games, these funeral fights to the death. Right. And this later evolves, skipping some steps here, but this later evolves into gladiators and the games themselves. But anyway, so Rome decides we need a military force, and they go and they talk to gladiators. So they talk to these pit fighting guys to figure out how to create one of the, arguably one of the greatest fighting forces the world yeah. has ever known. Well, in this, in this, you know, this is kind of off topic, but we discuss this all the time. It brings up that notion of martial arts, of the reality-based versus the sport competitor, right. you know, and really you need to be doing both. So, I mean, it's interesting that the military went to the guys that were doing it recreationally right. for tips and pointers on, okay, how's the best way to fight? Well, who do you talk to? The assholes that are out there doing it every single day for their livelihood. You know, they've got the most experience. So when you look at, well, you know, but that's not, that's competition. That's not real life. The, the truth lies somewhere in between, I think. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's a combination of both things. I mean, you can't, the Maori, man, those guys oh, were brutal. Man, were that's brutal. a good one. Someone mentioned the Zulu tribes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, man, we could, this could be like a three hour show if we got well, into every single And understand group, guys, what we did group. is we went and we looked, we looked at some cultures. We couldn't get them all. And uh, Vlad is a guy. We're looking at cultures, Chris, but I like where your head's at. Um, <laughs> so uh, 
So what we're doing here, though, is we're looking at cultures that had a, a pretty clearly defined code. And something that historically was written down that we could yeah. look up. I mean, you know, yes, there are very savage cultures that are out there, but historically, you know, a lot of the stuff is undocumented. And, you know, we're, we're, we're probing more into that code of ethics. So, yeah, right. you guys keep sending in those the most savage uh, cultures that you can think of. But also, you know, we're, we're touching on the gentleman side, and that's where that code of ethics comes into play because as we saw with the Spartans, if you're just full on savage all the time, eventually you're gonna go the way of the buffalo and you're gonna you know, run out. There has to be a balance and that's kind right. of what we try to instill with this whole notion of savage gentlemen. You gotta have a little bit of both. Yeah, there has to be a little bit of, there has to be a little bit of both. And I mean, there's plenty of savage cultures out there. There's a ton of savage cultures. Crusades, we'll talk a little bit about that. Knights Templar, yeah. you're actually gonna hear some of that directly. Um, so don't worry, we're getting to you, but uh, Chris, that's fantastic. Um, you know, there's the, the strangest thing about this is is how much of of this code has trickled into modern day life and man. Sure. You know, we you and I have discussed many times that we like to pretend like we're this this creature that's removed from violence and from savagery. Oh, we're so evolved and enlightened nowadays. I'm like you're a hairless murder ape holding an iPhone. That's it. That's all you are. You yeah. know, I mean that that needs to be a T-shirt. Hairless murder ape. Yeah, hairless hairless murder ape holding an <laughs> iPhone because there is no. I mean, we, we like to tell ourselves, we're, you know, we're better than that. We're not violent, but we are. Are we? Yeah. Everything we do is based on violence and, and, and killing, and we're exerting violence in some way or some fashion all the time. Now, we choose to do it a little bit less because now, because we can, and we can, you know, we live a little longer. Right. But, but the world hasn't been peaceful very long, guys. Well, and it's still not peaceful. We only have, you know, small pockets of peace. And even those, you know, little, little you know, slices are still, you know, churning upheaval every once in a while. We see it all the time where, yeah, you have this nice peaceful sector, but then something pops up, something happens, and it, and it you know, we, we can't stay peaceful for very long. It's, you know, it, unfortunately, it's a part of human nature, and that's where I think that code of conduct comes in and plays a huge factor. Without that, yeah, we are hairless murder apes. You know, you have to have a set of rules to govern yourselves to to get around and when people break those rules there has to be consequences yeah otherwise you're just it's chaos yep and, and that's that's what human beings have tried to do is we've tried to organize ourselves bushido actually you oh. know what since scott since you brought bushido bushido are we gonna go jump ahead. are we gonna jump ahead to, we're, to we're, samurai we're gonna jump to the samurai let's do it i think we're gonna hop in there savage gentleman bruce lee 100 agree uh john <laughs> john says fake fireplace culture. culture how dare you yeah uh, don't you don't you don't you shit on our fireplace here sir if there's one thing I can't stand, it's somebody knocking on. There was a lot of time and effort going into building this set out. And uh, I take personal offense to you. Oh, look. The log, the log just fell. This is a real it legitimate fireplace. It heard the insult. So um, one thing I want to talk about, first I want to talk about Bushido a little bit. And there's a very interesting idea. Um, some of the writings that you read later on um, are very eye-opening. If you get a chance, Anthony Cummins has got a few books out about, um, about the samurai. Some of the writings of Natori Masazumi. Um, whose gr father and grandfather lived in the Sengaku era, right? They were like, they were, they were, you know, fighters. They were warriors. Um, James, don't worry. Hairless murder, hey, buddy. I got plenty of these one-liners coming. Coming soon. Yeah, yeah stay coming tuned, soon. buddy. That shirt. We're going to make that a shirt. If you want that shirt, upvote that. Like, we need that shirt. <laughs> so, uh, but a lot of times, you know, what, what you seem to find out is Bushido was a thing that happened before and after the battle, not during. Interesting. Right? Not, not during. So the like, code of conduct kind of fell away 
when when they were in the shit, when things yeah. were going down, it's like, nope, every yeah. man for themselves. Well, we're, off, we're just killing machines now. Yeah, first off, they were they, they started off as mounted archers. That, that's predominantly what they did. They were mounted archers. Then they had a spear, right? Because, okay. you know, spears are and way this better. This is the samurai we're this talking about. This is the samurai about. that we're talking about. So yep. the samurai had spears. They were... Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they were, they were archers. Um, and interestingly enough, like in judo, for example, you know why there's a 30 second pin in judo, right? Cause you were holding the dude down for your buddy to come and dispatch him. Right. So this whole idea and this notion, like the samurai were brutal. So they were paid in heads first off. Oh, nice. So, what so they they're would, literally collecting heads, bringing it back. Like, okay, I got 47 heads. That'll be right. They would, wow. they would take the head and they would be like, all right, pay me. So they would take the head and they would just run a loop through the guy's mouth to their belt. And if they had too many heads, they would either take his sword, a neck plate uh-huh. here, or what they would do is they would cut the face off oh, of the guy and they would just stick a face to their armor. So what you got at the end of the That's battlefield gnarly. was these guys would yell out this battle cry and they would hold up the head that they took and then everybody would be like, you know, they would, they would also hold up heads, right? Yeah. So what's fascinating to me Damn. about this is, <laughs> is that we talk about how they're always honorable. Well, but they weren't because they had to have a head viewing ceremony because certain slick dudes turned around and they were like, hey, guess what? Hey, a head's a head. They were like, hey, the fight's over with? Yeah, I'm gonna go cut that dude's head off and then I'll be like, so they had a head viewing. I'm not kidding. You would come in and you would show them the head and they would view it and they would be like, hmm, this was taken in battle or not. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. So that's How the hell would they determine that? Who the hell is that arbitrary? I mean, you're just like, nah, that, that guy was sleeping when you killed him as opposed to, no, he was fighting. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Check the footage. There you go. Yeah, it's like it's like full on. You know, oh, the Japanese katana versus European Ooh, longsword. Jacob Martin. I'm gonna actually, Jacob, uh, believe it or not, and I'm about to cause the comment section Uh-oh. to explode. I'm gonna go with European longsword. All and here's, day. Here's why. All day. Here's why. Japanese katanas. You see them all the time, and it's a completely disingenuous argument where they come over there and they're like, "This thing was invincible." It, it made out of modern steel, folded a million times. Totally made out of powder steel. They actually had to deflect, and they couldn't deflect on the edge of the blade when they made the deflection, because you would literally shatter the sword. Wow. You understand this? So they would, they would shatter the blade. And that's, that's why, um, so that's, that's, so the blade wasn't infallible. It wasn't invincible. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, in the argument of medieval knight versus samurai, it's Yeah, I mean, if, if you're just looking at sheer weight and physics, there is no way that, you know, a sword that's, that's this wide and this thin is going to stand up to a freaking broadsword. Right. You know, and you've, you've played around with some medieval combat before, and, yes, I have. and I've dabbled in it as well. And yeah, man, th- those tiny little things, yeah, they look really cool in a Kill Bill type mu- movie, but in real life against, you know, an axe or a sword, man, I'm taking that all day. Well, the and, and their armor was actually designed, their armor technology never really caught up with it. The, the, the odd nature of their armor and the way that it's shaped was actually designed to deflect blows. So that's why they were designed to glance because the, the, the weapon they had at the time was sharp. Now, katana was totally a deadly weapon. It was complete, it was an amazing, amazing sword. But there's other weapons that are, that are, that are better out there. And if we're gonna go with amazing historical weapons and, and go ahead, come at me, bro. It was the Roman Gladius. No weapon proved itself against more cultures in history and defeated more people than the Gladius. So that's again, pretty fair. I mean, that's that's hard to argue against. Now, funny enough, Uh-oh. all right, Chris, Chris, Yates, Chris, we're gonna, we're gonna, rock ninjas get too much love. I'm gonna dispel something Uh-oh. for you here because this He's is gonna fun. drop some knowledge on you. I'm gonna drop something on you. Ninjas were samurai. Samurai were ninjas. Uh, there's this idea that there was this there was this peasant ninja thing that was out here. This was all mythology that was created. What we find out is that they were actually there were samurai clans, and in every samurai clan there would be shinobi, there would be ninja. So basically, your lord would walk up to you and he'd go, "Hey, look, you're daimyo." Be like, hey, look, you're not an idiot. 
you know, and you could, and, and you didn't have to necessarily be samurai. You, should all, you could also come from a caste that was called Ashigaru. And Ashigaru was like a foot soldier, right? So you could be a foot soldier. And some of these dudes were good fighters. They wore three swords, just like the samurai. They weren't nobility, but they wore, uh, they wore three swords. But anyway, so the shinobi themselves were actually samurai. It was just a function. You were a scout. That's it. You were a scout. You were a reconnaissance guy, unconventional warfare. Some of those guys would do things like uh, they would jingle horse bridles outside of an enemy camp just to keep dudes awake. Really? Yeah. They would do, but they were so sophisticated. They had like clay, they had the, like clay landmines. No shit. Gunpowder. Wow. I mean, they were wild. So if you get a chance to look that up, look it up. But one thing I want you guys to do for me, stop whatever you do. Don't. <laughs> Don't, don't like that that myth needs to die ninjas were samurai samurai were ninjas and when you look at the real history those guys are way cooler and way scarier they're a little less ninja turtle a little more jason yeah Voorhees. we've we've kind of like, really like like sullied the name of the ninjas throughout time like you see you know all the movies and, and pop culture that has grown up around the ninja and it's like dude they were like super elite badass dudes like probably some of the scariest warriors in history. Know, in history, yeah. They, they were petrifying. And, and, and interestingly enough, one of the things they would do, they were so sophisticated, and I'm, I'm not going to get too far off topic, but one of the things that they would do, they were so sophisticated that let's say that Josh and I were both shinobi. And Josh was We gonna, are, actually. Yeah. And, true story. <laughs> true story. You guys will find out. So, uh, so he was going to infiltrate the enemy's camp. So he and I would do a choreographed duel, and we would work on it for maybe a month or two, right? And so then what would happen is, is that... He would go through and he would be wearing the enemy clan's armor colors. And so I would meet him on the battlefield and find him and we would have this big sword duel, right? And then as soon as we determined that maybe three or four of our, of our shinobi were engaged with the enemy, right? We'd go through these sword duels and then we'd be like, all right, break contact. We're getting out of here. So we would leave the fight, right? And then Josh Tyler, the enemy shinobi, the infiltrating the enemy camp, would be like, hey, good job, guys. And they We would did go, it. And then sneak in. And then sneak in. And then Man, what he would do is he dirty. would take like an arrow and he would put like, general so-and-so, we're pleased to have accepted your bribe to defect. Oh, shit. And he shit. would leave that there so that, you know, he'd start sowing confusion and chaos. He'd find wow. officers. He'd murder them, burn <laughs> grain stores. Like, these dudes, in fact, it was so bad that at the end of a battle, each clan would yell, uh, a, a word. So their commander, or so even they had then, like a like a safety word, like, yeah. like pineapple or whatever. So when you said pineapple, word. for example, everybody would hit their knees, and the dude left standing was a ninja, and you <laughs> killed him. You're a bad him. dude. Yeah, wow. they killed him on the spot. Man, that's so crazy. Pay actually, attention to the op order briefing, or you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's everybody doing? No, not me. Oh shit, <laughs> shit. Hey, Zach, uh, scroll up a little bit. There was a question on there that I want to get back to, uh, and while you're finding that, someone asked what it is we're drinking, and this is actually. Uh, Nomondake, I think is the name of it. And this is a uh, corn sochu. It's delicious. It's, this it's is, pretty dynamite. This is pretty tasty. In fact, I think I'll have a little bit more. You do that. Um, oh, Peter Lou says the Marine Corps culture is like modern day samurai. So, you know, as a, as a 101st Airborne Army guy, what, uh, what would you say to that? One, I got love. I got love for all those guys. Man. <laughs> I, I got love. I got love. I got love for Marines. You guys, you guys, man, listen, you're, you're fantastic. You're good stuff. You know, highly motivated troops. I got nothing to say about them. Hey, man, we got to we got to show some love to, to a couple Marines that uh, that came out and busted up to the mountain with us this weekend filming. Man, those guys yeah, put in some hard work, hard dudes, man. They got it in their highest esprit de corps. Good, solid stuff. Guys, I love all the branches of the military. And if, again, man, if you served out there and you're watching this, I'm super pro veteran, super pro military. I think we're a small community. We need to stick together and take care of one another, especially when we look at the issues that are, we're confronted with today. And, um, you know, man, I see some, I, like, there's nothing worse than watching veterans sometimes mud suck each other, man. I don't want to see that. 
guys, we gotta band together. We're the smallest generation of veterans in history. I don't know if anybody knew that, even despite the recent wars that we've had. Yeah. We're the smallest generation of veterans ever. Find those guys that are sucking out there and take care of them, hook up, get together, band together, and keep each other strong. And that, that goes for Army, Marine Corps, even my sisters in the Air Force. Oh, savage. Savage. Damn. Oh, no, no, no. All right, good. let's see. Eric Wagner says, Chris Farley was a great ninja. Yes, absolutely. 82nd. I even love you too, Jared. Don't even worry about it, buddy. That's cool, though. You guys were awesome in, like, World War II. Oh. Oh, man. Shots yes. fired. No, my 82nd, guys. You guys are awesome, man. Don't. We're not even going to go down that route. We're not even going to go down that route, man. Not even, not even go there. Man, that's funny. All right, so we've covered... We've covered the Spartans. Yep. We've covered samurai. Let's move into. Uh... Actually, I want to talk a little bit about some of the samurai values. And okay, I'm just going to hit these super yeah, fast. Yeah, let's. Because we, we've actually been talking about the savage. We haven't talked about the gentleman and the code of conduct, the ethics. Right. The ethics. You know, that's important. So um, this is kind of a general thing, and I've got to have my notes out here, guys. Like, again, amateur historian. I've got this all committed. And we now. have been drinking. So. And I'm drinking. So, uh, so the first one we have is justice. Okay. Um, so they wanted a sense of, uh, but rectitude also. So the ability to, to use rectitude to make a just decision, mm, right? To arrive at a just decision. Second is courage. Obviously that's expected of warriors to yep. be courageous. Um, interestingly enough, this may sound strange, but benevolence or mercy was expected of samurai. Really? It was expected for them to be benevolent. Because, you know, you, you see, especially, and, and most of what we think of and know about the uh, samurai culture is from what we see in movies, you know, and, and you see a lot of just merciless um, dispatching of the enemy and that sort of thing. But, you know, as you saw in like The Last Samurai, and not to say that's super historically accurate, but they talked about how, you know, this guy has committed, uh, you know, Harry Carey or Seppuku, right. and they chopped his head off, you know, as a way to alleviate that pain because he had disemboweled himself, and that's a pretty shitty way to go out. So, yeah. you know, a quick painless death of getting your head cut off you know, that's kind of a merciful, you know, a, a merciful way of uh, alleviating that. Funny enough, according to my studies, though, seppuku doesn't actually appear really? until the Tokugawa era, which was actually after the, the, the big civil war had happened. The Tokugawa Ieyasu uh, ushered in the longest period of Japanese peace wow. ever recorded. That and was a much more contemporary time. Now, know, that and, was way sooner. And that's very closer. interesting. Uh, an interesting thing to point out about that is that you look at... You look at um, you look at the samurai and, and, and they found themselves dispossessed. Nobody needed them anymore. They were unnecessary. So this is where you see a lot of these duels. It becomes like the Wild West with these guys dueling each other and, and doing what they can to maintain their relevance. And, and this repeats itself throughout history. We have yeah. these great warriors that emerge and then society goes, well, the war's over, so we don't need you, buddy. Yeah, they now forget. you're just cast aside. Yeah, you're done. And, and, and that's one of the most difficult things for you know men in general, I mean, humans, really, is to be without purpose. Like we are, we are deeply seeking some need to, to fit in and, and have a reason for existing. And so without that, we really seem to struggle. And that's where, you know, with the samurai, hey, we don't need you anymore. And now they're out dueling. They're, you know, actually committing um, this uh, ceremonial suicide, right. you know, type thing. And it's, it, but it's it, interesting too. I mean, look at the correlations between the suicide statistics that you see in, in modern day veterans, which are haunting, by the way, guys. And, and on JD Caputo, my page, man, if you're a veteran and you're out there and you're ever struggling, you're ever having a hard time, I just want to put this out there, hit me up, man. Hit me yeah. up. And that I, goes I, for I, Savage Allen as well. I mean, we're a very pro, you know, military, pro veteran community. Obviously, you know, Jeff is usually on here. He's on vacation right now, but, you know, that's something that we take very seriously and, and we're here to help in any way we can. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I have no. How do uh, CAP, UTO. I'll do anything, man, that, that, you know, if you guys want to talk, if you're sucking wind, man, and you're out there and you're having a hard time, you need to win that moment, you need to win that fight, reach out to one of us. 
man, I promise we're not just talking heads on, on a, you know, behind a camera, man. We really do care. Yeah. Um, real talk. Yeah. Real talk. So, so anyway, so, but you see this ritual suicide appear because they're, they're warriors without a place, Yeah, you know, and there's depression and that's where Musashi actually appears. Believe it or not, Musashi was actually on the losing side. He fought against Tokugawa Ieyasu. Really? And yeah. so if you guys aren't familiar with Musashi, he is the author of the Book of Five Rings. Miyamoto Musashi. Yep. Yep. Won and, uh, uh, 67 individual duels. Yeah. That dude was a bad mamma jamma. Yep. Well, he fought, he actually fought with two shorter blades and uh, he just tore people apart, man. But he was, he was a strange guy. He was unkept. Um, he was dirty, which really? was weird for a samurai. He yeah. was dirty. He had eczema. He was ugly. Huh. He was a super ugly dude. Well, no yeah. wonder he's so good at fighting. That makes sense. Yeah, he had eczema. He was rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah uh, you know, Chris, absolutely nobody needs the warrior until the enemy is at the doorstep. And they forget that, uh, they forget about warriors until that 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 happens. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to continue with these values a little bit so we don't get too far off. But uh, politeness was obviously expected. Okay. And um, we see that still in Japan today. I mean, you know, going there and visiting, I mean, that is one of the most polite cultures that I've ever encountered. It is, I mean, it is, it is striking how polite, you know, that culture is. It's amazing. Yeah. And they're incredibly polite. And I feel like that's based on the fact that there was savagery because bear in mind, if you were impolite, you would be, you would be met with, with, with violence. If you were impolite, directly impolite to a person, you would be, in fact, I've actually read rules. Uh, and again, guys, if you have a chance to check out Anthony Cummins's uh, work, um, on Japanese, uh, Japanese, Japanese samurai history and shinobi history. Really, really good stuff. The guy's fantastic. Uh, but when you take a look at this, there were rules on what to do if someone offended you in somebody else's home oh, and wow. you had to kill them. <laughs> like, no kidding. There was a whole code of conduct. I mean, I've read through it. They were like, all right, well, look, if the fight happens in the house, this is what has to happen. If wow. it happens outside the house, this is what you got to do. Like, it's crazy, crazy Man. wild culture. So well, we, and, 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 and just to touch on that, you know, we talk about that all the time where, you know, we walk around with this general sense of impunity because we, we live in such a civilized state that there is no prospect of a duel or, right. or any real repercussions. You know, we hide behind the fact of, you know, litigation that, hey, no one's going to touch us if we're, you know, if we, if we say something out of line. And I think that that, that has really, like, made things, especially on the Internet, where, like, you can hide behind a screen Man, that that's kind of thrown things really far out of balance. Where there was a time and a place where you said some shit, we're going out in the street and draw your sword, and I'm drawing mine, and hey, we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna make this shit happen. Yeah, and, and and this is very interesting too because like there was also you wouldn't insult, you wouldn't dream, you wouldn't dream of insulting the warrior caste because like, you knew the consequences. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at a medieval knight or a samurai or somebody like that, and you were like, hey you suck and I disagree with the war. Like that dude would look at you, jump off the horse, run you through, wipe the blood <laughs> off the blade and be like, the dumbass. And Idiot. he'd be on his way. Next, Every, yeah. Everybody would be shoveling and they'd be like, dumbass. Like, why would you do that? That guy's a killer. <laughs> Chris Head says, Japan polite. You haven't met many Canadians, have you? Well, strangely enough. So this guy lives in Canada. So that's, yeah. that's probably fair. I'm currently staying there right now. Yeah. So I've met quite a few Canadians They're They're super, super polite. I think who, would, would, who would win in a polite contest, Japan or Canada? Man, I don't even, I think it's rude to decide. <laughs> fair, fair, fair so, play. So next, uh, for the samurai, we have honesty and sincerity. Honesty and sincerity, meaning what you say. Um, and this is, this is very important across warrior cultures, is sincerity, right? Being sincere, being, being true to one's word, uh, doing what one says. Not just necessarily not, not putting out fabrications. Um, I'm originally Canadian, man. Tough Sorry, buildings. eh? Sorry about your luck, eh? Man, what's that, a boot? <laughs> you know what's funny? I've never heard anybody say hoser up there. Really? Yeah, it's not a thing. It's yeah, false. I think that's made up bullshit. Yeah. Never heard it. 
Uh, so anyway, <laughs> honesty and sincerity, super critical. And that's, those, these are values that have seeped into civilian society as well. I mean, they maintain a certain structure because at a certain point where nobody can be trusted to act upon their word, then there's absolutely no way that we can quantify anything. Words Everything become meaningless. Everything falls apart. Everything falls apart it's at that dead. point. Yeah, and so when we talk about living in a civilized society where we have to work together, which the reality is we have to. Like, no one can go it alone. Like, we have, we unequivocally, we talk about this over at Ready Man all the time where, man, you try and do stuff by yourself, that is that is the surefire way to be to be DRT, as yeah. we like to say, dead right there. Dead You're right not there. Survive. You have to have a community. And so with that, there has to be a measure of honesty and integrity where when you tell me you're going to do something, I have to believe it. Right. You know? Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. Everything's done. Everything is done. And at that point, you know, you, you, you really, the, the, these code, this, this code, I mean, you know, civilization is defined as when we hurled an, 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 an insult at our enemy rather than a spear. Did you know that? Right. That's Interesting. When civilization is defined as when we hurled an insult at our enemy. That's when we went enemy. from savages to gentlemen right. to where we stopped, we stopped chucking rocks at people and we're like, Okay, you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah, well, you're a bastard. You know, like <laughs> interesting. Um, so, um, so again, so honesty and sincerity, super critical, and you'll see that appear in many, 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 many warrior cultures, guys. So now I want to talk. Let's move uh, into if we can, if we can. Honor. Let's, we got we got honor. Oh, duh. we got to get through them. Yeah, we, we got honor. Okay. We got loyalty. Right. So loyalty was a huge thing for them, by the way, guys. They were expected, expected to be loyal to their lord. In fact, one of the ways that the shinobi got by with unorthodox tactics was that the highest honor was to serve one's lord. Ah, so you could do something dishonorable if it was to serve your lord, which is more honorable. Yes, yeah, you, if you were serving your lord, that was the highest honor. Interesting, so, so it's kind of a workaround, a loophole, if you will. Yeah, but also loyalty and fidelity was expected. You were expected to be loyal to your wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, fidelity was an expectation of you. Interesting, because that's something that, um, you know, for me, when it comes to being a gentleman, I think that that's, that's pretty important. And it's something that, you know, look, nobody's perfect, right? I get that. But I think that's something that we should all strive for pretty hard is to maintain some of these virtues. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that in that culture that they actually, because sometimes when we think about warriors, we're like, yeah, that shit doesn't matter. You right. know what I mean? All we need you to do is go out and kill guys. But it's interesting that they have this code of conduct, you know, and this honorable set of rules one of which is staying true to your true to your wife. That's really interesting. Why do you think that that was thrown in there? Well, because I think it fits into all the other values. I mean, if if you're not if you're not being loyal, um, you know, if you're not being loyal, <laughs> then you're running to you you run into you run into dishonesty. You run into a lack of uh, uh, you know a lack of loyalty. You run into a lack of a lot of these things. Like all yeah. these characteristics, your honor falls apart. Yeah. And at that point, you know, you violated a lot of different things. And I'm yeah. sure many of you fellows in the comments section, you know. Man, we've all done dirty before and learned yep. from it. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, but, but that back then they expected it. And uh, lastly, we have uh, character and self-control. They were expected to be reserved and, and controlled. They were not expected to, to be given over to fear and to, to doubt. They were mm -hmm. expected to be very decisive. And so all these things combined, when a person about, starts living these. What about drinking? Powerful. Were they allowed to drink? Oh, they drank like mad. In okay, fact, good. believe it or not, sushi didn't actually originate in Japan. Um, and I, I can't remember exactly which country it was, but it came over. When it came over, it was so popular that the daimyos had to run these guys out of because the samurai absolutely loved sushi. They yeah. thought it was fantastic. Well, it's not to love. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's great yeah. food. Well, and I only ask that because we're, we're drinking this. Uh, and Jeff, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Man, we're probably gonna crush this bottle. This was a this was a this was a gift. Woo, gonna smash it from from Kay, a buddy of ours over in Japan. And this is so good. But this is some some nice Japanese whiskey here that is real good. So uh, James, by the way, uh, Castilla uh, Gonzalez. I know I know Gonzalez got that right. So if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take others. I believe that's actually an African. Um, is it colloquial? I think that's actually African. Interesting. I, no, believe, that's cool. I believe it is. I believe if somebody looked that up and comment, let me know if that's African or not. Where'd it come from? Very good. Okay, so uh, now we're actually going to move on to knights. And so knights... Are we skipping Vikings? No, we're... They're around the same time. Look at this beard. We need to talk about Vikings. We're going to get to Vikings. All right. We're going to get to Vikings. Guys, I'm a big fan of Vikings. Don't blue ball me on Viking talk. I'm a big fan of Vikings. In fact, if you go to my page, uh, JD Caputo, you're actually going to see in the background, I have two wolves with a lightning strike in the background. And that's actually Hottie and Skull. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to ruin that for you. Look that up. It's part of uh, it's part of their mythology. Super cool. Um, but their um, fidelity is something our culture is losing. Very yeah, important. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Good point. stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So knights, so, it is. Then let's talk so about knights. chivalry. Code of conduct. We've got crusaders. We got the knights templar. We got we got all kinds of stuff in in this medieval time period. We had some people mentioning that before. So let's talk about the knights. What's yeah. Up so with those guys? the knights. So when we start off originally, it's literally military, nobility, religion. These are the chief tenets, the chief values of the medieval knight all the way across the board. And bear in mind, there were a lot of knightly orders beyond. There were the sword brethren, there were the hospitallers, there were the knights templar. There was a ton of these different orders that appear all through there, okay? So if you get a chance, go look through there. Their heraldry was different. It's super cool. Um, it's really, really, uh, it's really, really neat stuff. But uh, now the romantic version was is that's when the love starts to appear, right? Right, and that's where we get the notion of chivalry, where it's this concept of how we treat and how we court, um, you know, the, the the female species. Almost entirely Arthurian legend. Gotcha. Um, that, all that stuff, and I know that, that we saw it earlier. Where someone somebody, mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, someone had mentioned. Look, it was it was about warfare. It was more than that, though. It was about yeah, knights hospital for the win. Absolutely. What, what, I, now I'm not familiar. What what is so? Because because when I look at that word, I, and I hear. Hospital. So there, there was. Is that, what is that? I, I, I'm not following. So you're you're talking about times of, of terrible disease and plagues and, and awful things that are out there at the okay. time. Okay. And so they black they, plague. I mean, it's yeah, pretty, these, the dark these guys these guys were the killer shitty. caregivers. Um, oh, they, they, were, they were the warrior caregivers. These are like um, in, in my savage opinion, gentlemen, if you will. I would liken them to com- like a combat oh, medic. Yeah, like yeah. a like a like an 18 delta or something. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And again, guys, bear in mind, 100. percent Let's talk about this warrior first. So you're some peasant guy that's like, I'm going to revolt and, you know, I got a bunch of my friends and we've got pitchforks and a dude walks out in plate armor holding a longsword. You are Good luck. done. <laughs> no you chance. Are, guys, I've actually worn plate armor before and been hit by like a two-handed axe and, or, you know, other weapons like big steel, heavy weapons, people smashing on you. You barely register what happened. I mean, and these are guys swinging for the fences and you're like, yeah. cool story, man. Now I'm going to end you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's it. Uh, so actually it turns out it was an African proverb. Thank you, Stephen, uh, Luke McLeod for that. Appreciate it. Good. Um, so back to Knights, super, super impressive warrior. Very, very terrifying, but it was religion. So we're going to talk about, and it's literally broken into, uh, Gautier, 1883, breaks it into 10 commandments in the medieval code of chivalry. And they were, and I'm going to break them down individually and we're going to discuss them here. Thou shalt believe all that the church teaches and shalt observe all its directions. That's so, number one. Number one. Right off the bat, you follow the church. And now this is this is probably the Roman Catholic Church at the church at this point, correct? Yeah, so this this is you know this, this is before is, the Protestant 
you know, revolution and that whole thing. Well, right? Protestant actually literally means protesters. So right. It's protesters in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, at, at the time, the church is the, is, is the central seat of power. And so you obey the church um, at all costs. And I wow. mean, again, this is the Dark Ages, guys. We have lost... We, we have lost our minds. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah shit got real bad. Like, people don't realize. And, and what's funny is, historically, that really wasn't that long ago. I mean, when you think about the, the expanse of human existence, you know, 400 years or so, you know, what is that, five, 600, maybe something like that? I don't know. You're the historian, not me. Well, it's... Math it's, is hard. It, I mean, you know, the, the church itself, I mean, the, the church itself rises to power towards the end of, of the Byzantine era of the Roman Empire. Um, you know, with uh, Emperor Constantine mm -hmm. really being what is I would classify as the first Christian emperor. He yep. sees something in the sky. He paints a symbol on his shield, um, and off they go. But that's a whole separate. <laughs> that's a whole separate thing there. Uh, so, um, so anyway, so the church, central seat of power, they maintain that power, and, and that that power is a power that moves kings. Yeah, I mean, I mean with an iron fist, they maintain that power. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the church could literally go over and be like, "Hey, King so and so." This is what's up. You're dude. out. Yeah. This is what's up, dude. Um, so here's another. This is the second one. And these are actually in order of precedent, which I think is important. Thou shalt defend the church. Oh, wow. So not only obey and do everything that we, that we say and observe every custom that we give you, but you'll defend us. Wow. So ultimately, the church really had sway over the knights, right? So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, Thou shalt respect all weakness and shalt constitute thyself the defender of them. Interesting. Now, is that your own weakness? But that's actually talking more weakness in, in other people, right? Weakness in others. Okay. So, um, so you got to understand, a thing that's really, really important um, is the fact that they're incredibly... Another thing about knights, these guys were mega athletes. They were super powerful human beings. Well, I mean, when you're carrying around, because... I mean, I would estimate you're looking at 60 to 100 pounds of, yep. of plate armor, and now you're actually athletically moving that shit around to dispatch another person that's probably as heavily armed. Bro, you got to be a bad dude. Well, and if you look at, you know, what's really funny is a lot of people talk about how they were immobile, and you always see them in the movies where they're just kind of clunky. They really actually weren't. Um, it, it got, it, they, got around, they, they got around super well. They were quite flexible, actually. Um, and they were more prone to grapple than anything else because if you grapple and put a knight on the ground, it was a real problem for that yep. guy. Well, I mean, getting up with 100 pounds on you distributed across your body is... is well, also, man, ass. if you start swinging a mace down and bashing somebody in the helmet, Ooh, your head's angled day. off the ground. That's a bad day right there. Yeah, it's going to be bad news. So, uh, but they did respect weakness and they did defend the weak. Um, and this is a tenet we see appear quite often, well, too. Well, that's something that, you know, if, if you look at, you know, a Christian tenet, you know, of... of the meek and the mild and that sort of thing. That kind of makes sense that that was an important aspect to the knights. Obviously, holding the church in such high regard, it would make sense, it would follow that they would, you know, actually tend to the weak. And that, I think that's more so where that, that notion of chivalry really, really comes into play. Yeah, uh, St Stephen, yes, uh, the, the, the Templar Order were the first militaristic monks uh, that were out there, and the Hospital Order were the first medical order. Okay. Um, and so, uh, but this is during a time of terrible, terrible diseases and viruses and, and awful stuff that we've since eradicated. Man, life was short, ugly, and brutal. Um, so, here's another one that's very interesting. Thou shalt love the country in which thou wast born. Huh. So. Man, we, uh, we miss that mark quite a bit these days. Well, the problem... All right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna get kind of unpopular here. Uh -oh. The problem uh -oh. is here we go. Uh -oh. The problem is is that what you really run into is a bunch of people that haven't the vaguest conception at all of how bad things could be, complaining 
about the smallest, most minute details because they're literally, they live a life eating food people will never taste. They're so comfortable yeah. that they actually have the leisure time to concoct these problems and piss and moan and bitch and complain. And, and uh, without getting too political liberals, we're, we're looking at you. Man, this is that moment. <laughs> and you know what? I have friends of mine who are even liberally minded who aren't entitled. And my problem is entitlement. And, and, and that's, that's really where and I that just- that probably transcends political view. It, it really, frank. it really does. Entitlement yeah. transcends political view, and I just look at people when they start in with that, and they're like, "This is wrong," and I don't like America, and I'm like, "Cool story, make me lonely. <laughs> Go away, run fast, little man." Yeah. So because well, there's a lot of corners of the earth where. Yeah, you know what? You think it's bad here? Why don't you go hang out there for a little bit and then tell me about how how much, you know, how much it sucks and how hard life is as you're, you know, tweeting from your iPhone. Like, come on, fuck I had, off. I had a guy give me a hard time about being in the military, and uh, and I actually told him I was like, you have two options. One, you can you can either you can either be grateful that we stand ready to defend you, or two, I mean, recruiting stations down the road, cousin. Yeah. See best you later. of luck. You yeah. think you can do it better? Right there. <laughs> there you go. Scoot boots. Right. So um, anyway. Uh, so anyway, love so of country. So defending the country. Yeah. Love of country. Love of country is very important. And guys, you should you should love country if you live there. And whether you're Canadian, wherever you live, you should love your country. You should love your people because man, they put you here, and you do owe it something. You know, there's yeah. an idea that oh, I don't owe it anything. Yeah, you do. You do owe it something. So if nothing more yeah, than I mean, love the and fact, respect. The fact that you were that you live in a place that is peaceful enough that your your mother could give childbirth without both of you dying in that process. Hey, you should be pretty thankful. And it know? means that there was probably a warrior somewhere that made sure <laughs> yeah. that nothing bad happened. And yeah. there's a succession of warriors that have died to make that possible. And so um, uh, medieval MMA is making a comeback in Europe. Actually, believe it or not, James, um, I threw on the armor. And when I leave here, I'm actually headed to Seattle. I'm throwing on the armor again and uh, I'll be fighting. So uh, I'm going to get in there and duke it out uh, in the metal, man. I love it, dude. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's becoming really popular here in the states. Actually, yeah, yeah the HMB Historical Medieval mm -hmm. Battles, uh, super super cool. We posted stuff. a video about that. If you guys haven't seen it, make sure you go check that out. Yep, fantastic, good stuff. So, love of country. Uh, again, bear in mind, you know, like not all of us, but this this is warriors. So this warrior is like he's called on to love his country and to fight to the death for it. Next we have, thou shalt not recoil before the enemy. So again. Oh. Don't be a coward. Don't be a pussy. Yep, don't run, you little bitch. <laughs> get your ass back in line. Pick up that sword and get to swinging, Junior. Yep. Even if that's with a mighty battle cry, if not in the face while you swing a mace around. <laughs> so. Nice. Yeah, love not like. Absolutely, James. So, um, was that James? No, that was, that was Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris sorry. Hands. Love your country, not just like it. Yep, yeah. love your country, not just like it. Important. So, uh, and yeah, James, thanks for, thanks for the, good, the, the good wishes, man. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm a wreck house, brother. I'm a wreck house. So, um. Anyhow, I totally agree. By the way, Americans are great warriors. Um, Ooh. So Adam has a question. Let's let's see. Any chance you could talk for a moment about any rebel, relevant difference between European and Arabic horses? Yeah, Arabian horses. Okay. Do so you know anything about horses? I don't actually know much about horses, but what I do know is I do know quite a bit about cavalry. Okay. Um, Fair. And uh, it's one of those things where you know I often I've often heard this argument. They said, well, who wins in a fight between the knight and the samurai, for example? And I'm like. Man, it, does, it depends. Are we talking about open warfare? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, knights. 
because it would be a charge of the heavy horse. That's a freight train holding a telephone pole running <laughs> your ass down. Because yeah, the horse was armored too. Like it wasn't just dude in yeah. armor on a horse. Like the freaking horse was a war machine. It was barded. Yeah. And I mean, you know, actually by the time you got done with a horse, a barding and all that other stuff, you were looking at literally enough money to feed a village for an entire month in one night. Ooh. So Blake says, prodigious size alone does not dissuade the sharpened blade. Okay. Okay. Sure. Unless sure. it's a prodigious dude covered in armor. <laughs> like, then that I mean, dude's like, ching, cool, yeah, bang. Yeah, cool story, yeah. bro. Well, that's like, fun. And that's the thing. Like, I don't care. I don't give a shit how sharp your blade is. You're not going through plate armor. And when this broadsword, which weighs, what, six, seven pounds. But he pounds, says prodigious size alone. So, I'm like, Blake, I got you covered. Like, I mean, prodigious skill size does alone. play a part. Skill matters. I, I mean, think as, that's as what as you're a, getting at, Blake. As a, as a medium-sized guy, I will say that the size isn't everything. But, man... It sure does, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't hurt at all. So, um, but uh, you know, I don't know enough about horses to really get into that. I mean, obviously the Crusades kind of didn't really go our way, but there's there's a lot of contributing factors in that, and that we can't go down that bolt that that <laughs> bolt hole, man. We'll be there for a minute. Yeah. Because I'm gonna go off on Richard the Lionheart and how that guy was absolutely retarded. <laughs> like everybody's like, man, he was awesome. I was like, that guy was an idiot. Um, so uh, don't recoil from the enemy. Yeah, bro. Don't run. Don't do it. Um, thou shalt make war against the infidel without cessation or cessation and without mercy. Interesting. So, so it's interesting that the crusaders were using the term infidel. Infidel, infidel unbeliever, non-believer. Well, I mean, we use a lot of terminology that we picked up in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we use a lot of that terminology and these were warriors that were foraying into those areas because a lot of the times, even if you were a criminal, you could go fight in the crusades and be granted clemency. Hey. So they'd look over and they'd be like, sweet deal. You know, they'd be like, Hey, clean out the prisons and send them down to the crusades. Wow. You know, so there was a lot of different ways that you could get by. Um, and, uh, but, but they wanted anybody who did not believe in the faith, basically anybody who was going to disobey the church, mm-hmm. you were going after those guys. And it's important that it says without cessation and without mercy. Yeah, which that makes sense when we talk about the Crusades because obviously we had, we had two very different religious conflicting views between you know the, the, the Catholic Church, the Christian Church at the time, and then the, 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 Muslim, the Islamic State you know, down, down in the Middle East. Well, we're fighting for control of Jerusalem. And what's really interesting about this to me is when we take a look at this, there's always this idea that, that, you know, the European powers, they just, the crusade was all they're doing. Um, and there was a lot, there was a lot of, 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 um, of Islamic, uh, Muslim aggression. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of aggression that takes place through, through the course, uh, or, you know, throughout the course of this. And, and it's in response to this. Now, no party is correct. No. You know, there's there's almost never this, there's this idea of black and white, and I'm like, No, it's never super happens. gray. It yeah, is super, super gray. gray, yeah. Well, yeah. and that's the thing, like we, man, as, as altruistic as we like to believe ourselves to be, everyone has an agenda. Everyone's trying to see their team, their side, advance forward. And whatever faction you fall into, you know, whatever camp you believe in, you know, whether it be religion, politics, or whatever, you're always trying to push your push the ball forward, you know. And and at some point those two clash and collide, and that's where we see a lot of these conflicts. Right. And and this is obviously clearly a religious conflict. It's a conflict over I mean, there's always money, there's always politics involved, there's always power involved. These concepts don't go away and they're not mutually exclusive. Um so uh, again, let's see, Matt Long, Air Cav. Oh yeah, dude, all day. There's no way to prepare for it. You're just gonna get it. <laughs> yes. is, is that an inside joke? Is that a is that an airborne joke? No, that's that's actually that's it's, it's air assault. So we're talking about air assault. We're talking about air mobile right now. So we're okay. talking about hellborn assault. 
Um, and uh, man, there's no good way to prepare for that. I mean, put an AA gun every five feet in your country, but we're still going to show up and take your shit away from you. Bam. There you go. That's it. Savage. Dunzo Jr. So, uh, so, um, so again, so yeah, so obviously this was clearly a religiously motivated tenant. Yeah. Um, and then thou shalt perform scrupulously thy feudal duties if they be not contrary to the laws of God. Man, I have to love, I, I really love the old English yep. phrasing and, and, and the wording that they use. So do what you have to do as long as it isn't in conflict of, you know, essentially what the church says, the Ten Commandments and right. whatever whatever additional stuff they decided to tack on. Feudal duties, again, you're, you're Duke, you're Lord, whatever it is that you have there. This guy's telling you what to do. You can't say anything against this guy. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. Unless, Unless he goes, goes in contravention of, of the written of the will of God, but the will of God at that time was the will of the church. Right. That's just real talk. Yeah, because at that time, you know, I don't know that anything was... Was was the Bible actually written down at that point, or was it just strictly, you know, spoken? I mean, everything was in Latin, so the common folk had no clue what was going on. You know, they would show up to, to Mass or to the sermon, and they're just hearing a guy talking gibberish. And, and well, the most perfect at, writing of, of, of Christianity was was probably the King James Bible, right. obviously. And it was the, the most common which, which, which predates the, the Knights, if I'm not mistaken, correct? The, uh, James was a little bit after or no? Mm, You're the historian. I don't know. Uh, you'll catch me up on that one. Okay. You'll catch me up on that one. All right, guys, that's the if question. You know, look it up. You guys Is it have predated Google. or not? Help me out, right? I can't, I can't keep it all upstairs, guys. And besides... This stuff is delicious. It's real good. It's yeah, it's very super tasty. good. So I'm doing the best I can. I don't think I'm doing bad here. All right. Um, so, so uh, can we? All right. So we're getting pretty close to the end here. We're 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 just over our hour slot, and uh, I I can't can't let it let it go without Vikings. I can't let it go without Vikings. All right. So so let's let's get into Viking talk. We had some people talking about blood eagles. Way after, a, got it. We had a we yeah. That's what I thought. Um, Thanks, boys. We had uh, we had some people talking about the savagery of Vikings, you know, and and let's let's touch on that because these dudes were badasses, so, but they also had a very strict code of ethics that they that they stuck to. So let's let's start with the savage and let's go let's end with the gentleman. Shall so we? so most of what's actually codified in what you could call a code, because they lived by Icelandic sagas and the Havamal, the Havamal being the wisdom of of Odin that was handed out, right? Um, and if you've never actually read. Uh, the Havamal, it's super cool. I mean, these guys were talking about, you know, we, we throw around terms like situational awareness, like it's new. Right. They talk about have care in your hall for the enemy may be there. You know, like yeah. they were very, very, uh, it's a practical guide to wisdom. Um, even if you have a different religion, it's not a religious thing. It's much more of a, an understanding of practical wisdom. So if you get a chance to read the Havamal, I highly recommend it. Tyr Nielsen um, has got a translation that he put out for the Havamal. It's super good, super, super good. So T-Y-R uh, Nielsen. Um, he's actually at the uh, Viking Academy out there. Yeah, uh, we he, may go hang out with him in the near future. Might go hang out with him. You guys want to see some Gleema Viking combat, axes, long ships, and the Viking survival? We'll get that. We'll get that content. We're probably not going to do a blood eagle on anybody. Um, they're <laughs> Just prob- saying they're that's prob- generally frowned upon in this time. They're going to get super age. pissed if They'll we do. Be real that. mad about it. <laughs> not going to lie. So we're going to talk about. Uh, so this is pulled from the Havamal and the um, the Icelandic sagas, and again. Uh, the values that we see appearing, er, appearing over and over again, and these were codified actually around 1970. Um, but the nine noble That's interesting versions, that you know it took that long to kind of amass that um, that collection because it's well, been yeah. around for a long time. But it well, they've got a the ton 70s. of these pagan stories that are out there, and a lot of this mythology that's out there. And so what you get is you get the nine noble virtues, and they are one courage, two truth, honor, fidelity. 
Fidelity Man, that's coming up again. again. Interesting. Yeah. Fidelity appears again. Well, it's interesting because you, I mean, I remember watching the TV show uh, Vikings on, on History Channel. Fidelity did not seem to be a super important thing there. Right. And I think, again, there's also, you know, there's also what is written and codified and then there's what's practiced. Well, and that's, and that's, and that's the thing too. I mean, you know, it's all well and good when we write it on paper, but what really happens. Roman Legion all day. Matt. Oh, what was the question? I yeah, seen... the Chinese Imperial Army take on the Roman legions. Roman oh. legions all day. What was the show where they would take the? Uh, was it Deadliest Warrior? God, where that they show would do was that? just balls off. Uh, who? Hey, chime in if you guys remember that show. Uh, Sucked. Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> I hated that. Show. Matt Long wants to know if we do this weekly. Yes, we do. This is a weekly show that we do live, and then we put it up as a podcast under Savage Gentlemen. So you know you can go back and and check out some of the older stuff. You can uh, you can tune in every Monday when yeah, you do this live, and we got someone mentioning. This is the second time I've seen it. Adam, I can't say your last name. I'm sorry. The uh, the Kevian Kevian Rus uh, Ukrainian, as in the Ukrainian Vikings. You know anything about that? Man, I got nothing on it. Okay, sorry. I got nothing on Enlighten it. Enlighten us, Adam. Please send in some information. You know we're not we're not the. Uh, Man, there's always going to be holes in there. You know, I got like one time I was talking about history and I got beat by the comment section. I was like, man, I will, my brain will never beat Google, brother. I'm doing the best I can. So, uh, so we've got, uh, so we're going to round this out. So we've got fidelity, which is interesting, appears again. Discipline, uh, that's super important. Yep. Hospitality. Oh, interesting. Here's one. That's a different change. That's kind of a a segue because that hadn't come up in any of the other previous cultures. I I believe it had. I mean, respect for, you know, mercy for weakness. You know, uh, okay. you know, there, there is, there is some, there's some, some hospitality, some respect. It's a courtesy. There's a courtesy that always appears. There's always a softening yeah. of the warrior. That Again, appears. going back to the notion of savage and then also gentleman. Right. So, you know, we like to think, I, I like to think that this idea of savage gentleman is something that, that is new that we have concocted, um, you know, recently, but this is predated, you know, all of us, this has gone back in since, you know, since the dawn of time really yeah. where, the ideal place for a man to be is somewhere is the ability to be savage, but also gentleman. And and we're seeing this in this codified set of rule set for all these warrior classes. And it's, it's fascinating to me. And one of the ones that I like here we see among the Vikings, it's obviously very clear, is self-reliance. Um, these are an incredibly self-reliant people. They're an incredibly potent, powerful people. Um, we all know that. But we see them being very, very self-reliant, very, um, uh, very very self-reliant, very independent, mm-hmm. um, and very ferocious. Okay, you know what's funny about Uh-oh. that? I want to talk about Are the Greek about boy Willie? love. All right, so Matt Willie, Matt Willie, brings up. Don't forget that Greek boy love. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there. Uh-oh. Nobody actually in their own independent writings, other than like Thespia, talks about be about about boy love. In fact, what it usually is is they'll be like Spartans will be like, oh yeah, Athens, best boy love over there, dude. And then Athens will be like, Sparta, yeah, dude, they're totally boning down on kids. Yeah. And then like... So it's, so it's almost like that, that like jovial kind of back and forth, you're busting your buddy's balls. It's literally it's like, like, oh, those guys are so gay. Yeah, it's the bro version of like, you're gay. No, bro, you're gay. Yeah. So... It's um, interesting that, that every single, you know, city state would call the other, you know, would mud suck the other ones. I mean, right. I guess it's kind of like you guys in the military busting balls on oh, the different yeah. branches. Yeah, well, it was kind of like, you know, Athens was like, you know, you're gay. And then Sparta was like, no, you're gay. And then Thespia <laughs> was like, dude, totes, we're gay. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, anyway, so, so back to the, uh, the Vikings here. But thanks for that, Matt. That was pretty good. Um, we have industriousness. Industrious. They were huh. very industrious people. 
Um, a lot of the, the, the purposes behind the raids was actually to get gold to fund wars between the Jarls. So a lot of the way that they made their weapon was actually to collect uh, the peat bogs. Mm -hmm. They would get all, the, uh, all that out of the peat bogs and they would burn it. And what would be left would be trace deposits of iron. Such a pain in the ass for making metal. Super, oh super pain in the ass. But they were like, yo, we can go raid and get gold and steel and, and, and or we can get metal. We can get all kinds of stuff. And, and so it's, it's really, really awesome um, that they were, they were such an industrious people. So uh, Riley Termini, if I said that wrong, I apologize, says, the problem with history is that we take everything literally, forgetting that they were just like us in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, we, we look at history and it's written down, you know, it's, it's, it's in a book, so it makes it way more, like, I don't know, clinical and, like, straightforward, but, like, Throughout time, dudes were dudes. So think, yeah. put yourself, take, take a period of time and then put yourself at, in that stage and then have that same mindset. And you're probably going to get a much better perspective as to what they were talking about. Well, and history is, the written, is, is written stories or collections of people. It's people, man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's people, people are people. Like, you know, we, we, technology has changed, but, but we as a species really have not changed that much in that course of time. Bill, yeah, the Ulfbert. Yeah, the Ulfbert was one of the finest swords ever made, without a doubt. Still going with the Gladius, though, man. Still going with the Gladius. Yes, uh, bam, uh, Viking. Uh, Viking was, I wouldn't necessarily call it a profession so much as an, acti or as, as an activity of function. Uh, Viking raider, um, man, that's, that's pretty tough. But yeah, they are the Norse people. Um, yeah, that's okay. It's not the Ulfbrecht, but I wasn't going to bust you out, Bill. Yeah, that's you... fine. Yeah, spelling, <laughs> yeah, we'll let it slide. But history um, is a collection of, of stories about people. And so, like, and they had a sense of humor. fallible. Fallible yeah. sense of humor. I yeah. mean, dude, if somebody recorded our lives down, our lives right now, they would look over and they would be like, you guys are dicks. Like, yeah, you know 100%. What I mean? <laughs> like, you guys are terrible. Um, scroll, scroll up a little bit. There was a great comment. Um, oh, so, slow down. Slow down. Too much. Too much, Zach. Where was it? Oh, Nathan said this podcast is sweet. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, yeah, man. Cheers to you. Cheers, Anthony brother. Michael says the North American Native warriors had a great code of honor as well, um, and 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 that's the thing we um, we're, we're touching on some of the stuff that's pretty easy to research that's been codified. Um, there's a lot of cultures out there that we haven't talked about today, and that doesn't make them any less savage or less gentlemen or any less noteworthy. It's just you know we kind of touched upon the ones that had you know, the most accessible, and obviously the things that you've probably studied more than others. I mean, Right, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the big ones here, you know, but it's a, um, um, you know, it's it's one of those things, what will they say about us a few hundred years from now? I don't know if they watch this podcast. Oh, man. They'll be like, damn. You're like, these dumbasses. Look at these bastards. Oh, my gosh. Sons of bitches. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, guys, I think what would be really interesting is if I'm back in town, I get a chance to do this again. Yeah. What I super want to do, John Frederick gets too short. No, I totally get it. Um, if we get a if we get a chance, uh, I'd love to come back in and I'd love to hit this again and hit cultures. And man, maybe if you guys want to put it in the comments or let us know something you want us to talk about later yes, on. Yes, please do. We're always love open to, do to that. suggestions. Yeah, give us, you know what, why don't you guys start listing some warrior cultures you want us to talk about. I'm going to be back around here. And in fact, as a bit of foreshadowing, why don't you let us know which warrior cultures you'd like us to go visit, train in their system, Ooh. and bring you their martial arts, their warfare, their fighting, Ooh. their culture. Maybe you should put a list on that, and uh, and maybe we'll go find it and make some video content about that. I'm not saying we will necessarily. Just a little foreshadowing but, out there. But there's a quite there's a pretty strong possibility we there's might be traveling around and exploring a lot of the cultures and uh, 
warrior classes and fighting styles that the world has seen. So if you like that, guys, like, comment, and be sure and share this, man. Get the word out. We can't do this thing unless you guys get the word out, man, and we love doing it. I've, I've, I've had a blast being here today. Ooh, ooh. So Matt Long, Zach, can you hit the C more? Because he's got, a, he's got an interesting comment. So Matt Long says, Army equals knights, Marines equals Vikings, Navy equals Greeks, Air Force equals boys. Man, wow. I feel like you're being tough on the Air Force. Man, huh? that's hard on the Air Force. Like, those guys Listen, fly planes. Look, man, the Air Force does all kinds of awesome stuff out <laughs> there. Just so you know, Air Force, I'm about to mud suck you again. Oh, but gosh. you guys are fantastic. You, you, you are, man, without air dominance, we're boned. I don't ever want to have to deal with fast movers on the ground because I'm not really equipped to do that. So uh, they serve an incredibly vital mission. You guys are important. However, that shit where you guys ride bikes for PT... Man, I can't tell who's in charge. Is it the guy with the cards in the spokes? You know, like, like who the hell is the NCO? Ching, 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 out of the way, Army. You know, wow. and we're just like running by, like smelling like a brewery at like O-Dart 30 in the morning, just composed of nothing but sweat, sweaty beer and hate. <laughs> like, like oh, that's man. it. There, so, so as a civilian... But I love you guys, Air Force. You guys are awesome man, out there. Man, from the outside looking in, there's nothing more entertaining to see the, the different branches of the military just just mud suck the shit out of each Dude, other. Dude, and we're totally it's screwed with that. If we didn't work together, we're it's screwed. It's so funny. We're totally screwed. If we didn't function together as, as a single unit, and, and you know what, despite all this bullshit, I guarantee you right now, it wouldn't matter which branch it was. If I saw some guy, and I don't care which uniform you're in, get into a fist fight, you bet your ass, I'm gonna be right there next to you in a heartbeat. Um, I got your back no matter what uniform you wear, all day, every day. Cheers to that. So. Uh, so last, we've got industrialness, and the, I think the, the most important here is we've got perseverance. They were, a, they were determined, brave, uh, very, very um, stout people. And, and I think that's an essential tenet of any warrior culture, and, and really just any, man, just anyone, in, period, right? Just, just as an individual, like the, the notion of perseverance, and I, and I think we lose that sometimes where something gets hard and we're just like, well, fuck it. It's, it's too much work. I don't want to deal with it. And, you know, obviously our warriors have that. You know, we see the training. We see what they have to go through and persevere. And we know those guys have it. But for the rest of us, for, our, for the rest of us mere mortals, our, us civilians, you know, that notion of perseverance is so utterly important that, you know, if we can borrow one thing from the warrior code of conduct, Man, I think that's that's something that's incredibly important. So uh, I noticed there's a couple of guys who were like, "Law Coast Guard." Hey, oh, man, Coasties. look, some of those guys and those cutters, man, those those guys that are stopping some of the the you know the drugs and some other stuff, they they get into some serious stuff. I'm not going to rag on them all. However, it turns out I'm going to tell you guys a, a fun fact. Everybody in the Air Force has to actually be uh, over six feet tall. The reason for this is if the ship sinks, they all just walk home. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Sorry, man, that was dark. That if was you're out there and you're in the Coast Guard, I got love for you too. You're about to get, you're about to be kicked in the dick by a bunch of Coast Guard guys. <laughs> some Coast Guard guy is gonna be like, Fuck he's you, gonna buddy. wreck your shit, bro. I know, man. Some like nine man. foot dude. So let's talk a little bit about to close this thing off. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of a code. Okay. So without having some reminder, there's something out there. So we're the id, the ego, and the super ego, right? So we've got. We've got the id, the need. We've got the ego, how do I get it and get away with it? And we've got the super, the super ego, which is that higher moral structure. And I think the super ego, that's what we're establishing is that higher moral structure. 
And so this, this, this high moral structure is that thing where I go, you know what, man? And we've all had that moment out there where you turn around and you say to yourself, I quit, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. But something kicks in, something your dad said, your grandfather told you, you read somewhere, something you aspire to be, some ideal that you have drives you beyond the point of, hey, man, I'm out, I'm done, I can't do this. You know what I mean? I'm smoked. Mm-hmm. Or, I, you know, this is too hard. There's something that pushes you beyond that. And what this code does is it allows people to drive beyond the bounds of what would considered normally to be considered humanly possible. Yeah, it, it gives you that, that bullet point checklist of things that, that hopefully will motivate you in those times of doubt, in those times of fear where you're like, because we all experience this. I don't care how badass you think you are, you know what I mean? Whether it's stepping in the cage, whether it's stepping on the battlefield, Man, fear is a real thing and doubt is incredibly real. Yep. And we have to have something to, to cling to to push us past that point. And I think that that code of ethics is really what pushes us to go beyond what we would do in, intrinsically in ourselves. We have to have that external motivation to some degree to, to push us to go above and beyond. And, and I think that's incredibly important. And I think that some days we lose that. You know, in, in, in modern culture, I think we don't push ourselves as hard as we should. And I think we don't have a codified set of rules uh, or ethics to follow these days. It's kind of every man for himself and just, oh man, you know, just this really like like area of gray of the, that we live in, you know, where everything is fine and everything is permissible and we, we've lost that sense. Well, we're, we're, too, we're too self-oriented and that's, I think, Ooh. what a code of ethics does is it pulls us beyond a, 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 um, it pulls us beyond that, that, that having that personal code and outside code. So for example, and I want to talk to this community here for just a second, uh, a great example of this is, um, I don't think there's a single man, I don't care which military force you were ever in, I don't care which branch, which country, where you were, there is no world where you would ever allow, you don't even have to know the guy, but you would do anything to protect somebody, to keep somebody alive who was on your side that wore your uniform. And there's no hell you wouldn't suffer to get a wounded man and get him back. And I think every, every man, and in fact woman knows that, that if they serve, that they would go out and they would get that and they would do that and they would fight to the death and incur, incur any hell, any penalty, any pain to get that done. Um, but I, I wanna know something. I, I see here that John Frederick actually uh, put up, my dad always used to tell me and my brothers, Fredericks don't quit. Um, Oh, did I? Oh, which who who cut off? Cut off. Oh, is my my audio gone? Am I still here? No, you keep going. Oh, okay. All right. Who, who, Scott Myers, go home. You're drunk. No, yeah. we love you, Scott. I'm just kidding. So, um, so Fredericks don't quit. I like that. Um, maybe that was a short joke. Yeah. Is that what he's saying? I'm cut yeah. off like I'm a sawed off son. Of yeah, a like a sawed off badass. That's messed up, man. Hey, you're you're. you're um, <laughs> so what I want to say, guys, is that my father left me with one that I want to share with you, um, and I've lived by it my entire life. And, uh, and it was very simple. And he said, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Yeah. And that was a simple, powerful thing that has carried me through some of the darkest days of my entire life. If not you, then who? And if not right now, then when? Yeah. And, 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 and that's beautiful, man. And I think, I think having some kind of a mantra, a code of ethics that we talked about, um, I think that that's, that's something that we all need to have. I think that that's something that you know, we're missing and that, that, that we need to establish, you know, and, and whatever that is, that's fine. But, but have something, have that mantra that you repeat to yourself 
because that's what's going to push us through these difficult times, you know, because we're all going to face adversity and we have to find something to carry us through that. And that and that and that's a beautiful sentiment. You know, I love that. Well, and it's it, what it did for me is it, it immediately put accountability on me. You know, it, it put accountability on me and it let me know that, look, I got to do it. It's got to be me and it's got to be me that gets it done. But what I want to know from this community is I want you guys, I want you guys to tell me the one phrase, if you've got one, that Ooh, guided your life. That's, so I want yes. you to talk to me. I want to know that powerful <laughs> thing that defines Eric Wagner you. says, dilly dilly. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. All right. Wow. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Somebody's going to put on there like, you done fucked up now, A.A. Ron. <laughs> that's a good one. Hey, that's, look, man, I don't give a shit what it is. If that's what, if that's what pushes you through, yeah. then, hey, man, so be it. But yeah, definitely, definitely post those, man. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to know what that is because, you know, we all need that little bit of motivation and maybe you write something that helps, helps push that other person, you know, helps get them through that hard time and, and, that's what this is about. This whole Savage Gentleman thing is about building a, a community where we can all come together and we can all learn from each other and build and, and become better men, better individuals. Absolutely, 100%. And, and I can see that. Uh, Adam Fisher, no fat chicks. <laughs> hey, man, look. Wow. I'm not, let's, let's not talk about my early days in the Army. You know, sometimes you strike <laughs> oh, out, fella, and you just got to get it done, dog. You know what I mean? You got to make it happen. Man. But, some of these you guys are sharing are, are really good. Um, it's phenomenal, yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. Man, get on it. Never quit like that. That's a uh, good one. Hold fast. I like it. Stand your, yep. Okay, all the fat chicks. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, wow. Uh, you don't fight. You oh, fight wow. for the one to your left and right. Yeah, Eric absolutely. Wagner, she ain't a lady unless she's 280. That was a mantra that I had back in my collegiate days. Oh, Woo. <laughs> yes, wash your hands. Um, <laughs> so there's Anthony Nelson here. You don't fight for your command. You fight for the one to your left and right. Yeah, you do. And there is no love, and that's why I put it out there, guys, and I mean this sincerely. I got love for anybody that ever wore that uniform. I don't care how old you are, when you serve, where you served. I don't care if you went to combat. I don't care if you were a pogue or, or you, were, you, were, you were an operator, man. I got love for you, and I'm right here for you if you need me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, well, cheers to that. Cheers to all the warriors out there that are still serving and have served. And um, for you guys that have tuned in, thanks so much for sticking around and listening to us ramble on about all the shit we've been talking about. We do this every Monday, Savage Gentleman Podcast. And we'll have JD here all week. He'll be coming back to talk about some really badass uh, martial arts knife um, weapons type cool shit. We don't even know what he's going to do. This guy's a freaking ninja. <laughs> so, so we're going to do some cool shit. Make sure you turn in. Make sure you tune in to uh, Ready Man. Keep watching Savage Gentlemen and share this with anyone that you might want to watch us talk about all this bullshit. All right, guys. Get out there. Fight hard. Train hard. Live, live hard, man. Play hard and live by that code of ethics. Be better. Be stronger. Be the person that you're supposed to be, not the person you are right now. Keep going. Push forward. You can do this. I got faith in you. I'm JD. And again, I'm Josh Schaller. Cheers, boys. See you, Savages. <laughs>